Cuphead and all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi folks, Old Man Grognard here, it's a Sunday, and we're going into Martin Luther King Day, yeah, okay, so it's a January Sunday. Hope you're all doing well. It's going to be a quiet weekend, I think, this weekend. I've got an audition or I'm in the middle of auditions or something like that. I forget. (laughs) Becky and I, it just sort of goes quietly. And next thing I know, it's Monday. Well, I told you. Well, I'm not going to get into today's topic until I play this voicemail from Colin at Spike Pit. Go ahead, Colin. Hi, Glenn. It's Colin, Spike Pit. Been listening to your series on Undead. I've done it as a sort of a binge listen, one after another, and um, got me thinking about Nazgul, Ring Race. Just wondered how you would model them in D&D. So, you know, mounted and Tolkien-esque, etc. Just thought you, you might like that as a little thought exercise, and I'd be interested to hear what you've got to say. Cheers, mate. Catch you later. Thanks a lot, Colin. I appreciate that. That's very, very welcome. Well, Nazgul, you got me running through my, you got me running to my first edition books again. And looking through the monster manuals and the fiend folio and things like that, I think I would probably base the Nazgul on the Death Knight because they are one tough mama jama and they kind of fall in line with how they were created, except Sauron created the Nazgul out of the kings of Middle-earth, but these are created out of the fallen paladins of whatever world they're in. So I would probably take the Death Knight as a basis and then extrapolate from there. I don't know how, I don't know how, how powerful I would make them. I would probably have to scale them to whatever party whatever party that is dealing with them. And that doesn't mean I'm going to to gimp them. That doesn't mean I'm going to nerf them. That just means I'm going to see where the party is and then scale up from there. So, yeah, I think the Death Knight, I think the Death Knight and the Feed Folio would be a good start for something like that. Okay, thank you, Colin. And let's get back to the topic at hand. I talked about creating organizations. Now let's talk about how to use them. Now, going back to their philosophy, find out what they want to do, and grab a copy of the map of your world if you have one, and find out where they want to put their energy and resources in accomplishing. If they've already accomplished a small area, that's a good thing, because then you've got a little little nugget to work with. And if they want to spread out from there, you've got to find out where they go, and what they do. Whoever's the brains behind this organization is going to have to figure out where's the best way, where's the best place to expand to further their cause. So you can't, you can't just expand. It's, it's like, it's like a business. It's like, it's, it's like a franchise, but it's like McDonald's. They don't expand everywhere. They see every business, they don't expand everywhere and anywhere. If they're smart, they'll do a slow expansion. And that you've got to do, it'd be best if you dealt with a 
higher up main guy or main committee that uses time on their side. Because like a franchise organization, like a business, slow growth is good because too much growth too fast, you're asking for trouble. And in the case of the organization, too much growth too fast puts undue attention on you when you don't want it. Because this is the kind of group, I'm thinking of the kind of group where they grow and they are insidious and they get, Hydra is a good example, the, the cinematic Hydra. They're insidious and they get into everything and then all of a sudden one day, surprise, you're all under our thumb. That kind of thing. It's got to be a slow, methodical group. Now, there are organizations who don't do that and they suffer for it. But a smart leader will think about something like this. They will also think about things like attrition. Not only are they going to have these meddling do-gooders out there throwing, you know, throwing their ideas or their plans out of whack, they will have things like uh, soldiers deserting, going over the hill, unless they're absolutely fanatical, like some fanatical cults and things like that. They're going to have that problem. So how do they deal with attrition? You could deal with it by saying anything from, oh, well, they're gone, let's group more, to, okay, you're in it for life. <laughs> That's how the mafia does it. Okay, you're, you're in it for life. You know, you leave, you die. That kind of thing. Now, that's either going to create fanaticism or abject terror, and people will leave. And if they get enough people to leave, they're going to have to change their tactics. Now, fanaticism, if, if they're dealing with, depending on what the intelligence of the person they're dealing with, but fanaticism, if it's a good thing, if they want it to be a good thing, they will threaten them enough to know, they will know that whatever they do to them is worse than whatever's going to happen if they get caught. So it's like, go ahead. I go back to them, it's a fate worse than death. Go ahead, throw me in prison, do whatever. You can't hurt me as much as my organization can hurt me if I desert, rat, whatever. And also, they got to worry about spies. Every organization has to worry about spies. Even corporate organizations got to worry about spies and ways to ferret them out. Once again, I, I bring the mafia up again because they've come to the conclusion that if one of the... I've seen this in documentaries and stuff. A new, a new soldier for the mafia, a new, a new button for the mafia, has to make his bones. And they did this for a practical reason. Making his bones means you got to kill one person for them, your first one, and then we will trust you. Because they know that, like government agents and things like that, that are going to be investigating them and infiltrating them, they will not under any circumstances do that. But the, that's one thats one thing that they, they've got it going over them. I mean, the whole Donnie Brasco thing. They had to yank him out of there before they gave him his first hit. That kind of thing. So if you've got organizations like that, the stakes get really high. They can make the, the, the organization can make the stakes really high for the player characters. And if it's 
if it's just one of those organizations like, I don't know, Cobra or bad, you know, some kind of bad organization, if you're playing a lighter game, it's not as bad as if you're playing a more uh, a darker game, wherein they can be, I mean, these people, I mean, they, they worry about spies, but they also have spies in other places. Hydra had spies everywhere. They had all kinds of people to the highest government people. So you've got to worry about, and he, they've got to keep track of them too. Any of these thriller programs, my, my wife loves to watch the thriller program, the thriller type programs. I call them thriller programs. Anything that has to do with spies and government and the FBI and all that kind of stuff where it's, it's very much, it's very much a, I don't really think of it as James Bondy. I think it's more like John Le Carre where it's gritty, gritty spy work. It's modern spy work. We have to deal with people and their hand, you know, people who work for the agency and their handlers and their, their informants. And they think, and the organization has got to worry about these constantly. And you got to worry about them as a PC because I, I'm, I'm, first of all, I really don't like those kind of, those kind of stories because I don't like stories where you can't trust anybody. I just, I, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You're constantly running. You're constantly this, that, and the other thing. But some people might like it. You may like it. You know, you may t- play stuff like Top Secret or something like that. So there's that. These are all the little things you got to think about when the organization gets going. And as a game master, you just sit down and you've got the organization in front of you. You've written it out, as I told you the last episode. And you just look at it and you go, okay, they want to conquer say, the northwest of this world, how would they go about doing that? Would they be overt about it? Would they just come in and invade? Or would they be, like, boring from within and get their people in the right place, get their contacts in the right place, get people, uh, they could, you know, re-elections, get people elected to the their people elected, get informants everywhere... There are so many ways you can do it, but if you write it down and say, okay, I've got this, this, and this, I've got these guys here, I've got the safe house here, I've got this the cell here, and if the player characters attack the cell or, or nab this one guy who's like the kingpin of that area, then they are hurt so much. And you've got to figure that out. You've got to figure out, okay, what does that do to their resources? What does that do to their organization? And how can they recoup from that? And that is the source of many, many, a, many, many a plot. So, and of course, they're going to try and get revenge on these people. They're going to try. And one reason I don't like dealing with it, because you not only got to, you know, as a player character, you got to deal with that. Plus, they're a threat to your loved ones, your job, your... Everybody you associate with, you worry about or don't trust. So I'm not really made for that kind of story, but you may. So, but, but so like I said, you sit down with your organization and just start thinking about it. Use the, if you have a map of your world, just, just use it that way. And that'll help you keep track of it. So go ahead, go ahead and try it. And I'm going to go start my day. So if you want to talk to me about this, give me a call on Anchor, or drop me an email over at oldmangrognar at gmail.com. We are funded now, so as little as 99 cents a month, you can help support this program, and I would thank you. 
And I also like to thank again Jonathan Dorje, Wendell Jessen, and Oliver Shriek for my to be my support who are my supporters. I thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. So until I see you next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Thank you.